we talk a lot about data on this show. Often that's in the context of farm level decisions. But with the right tools, data can play a major role in other areas like farmland acquisitions. We're going to see over half of the land in the U.S. turn over in the next two decades. That's a wild, wild number. Unfortunately, in the ag industry, farmland is not an efficient market. There's a lot of asymmetric information, and we're trying to bring more transparency to that space because we believe the market overall will be healthier because of it. That's Aaron Shu, who's the data science director at AcreTrader, but he works specifically on a new tool the company has launched called Acres, a robust data platform for farmland that provides access to data for 150 million U.S. parcels, local insights, and comparable sales. We're building a, a sort of Bloomberg terminal for farmland transactions, where data is freely available for anybody in that market. Like many of the best ideas, Acres was born out of meeting their own needs. When AcreTrader couldn't find a tool to help with their farmland analysis, they built it. And now they've made it available to everyone else. There's been a lot of effort on the farm management and precision ag side of mapping. There's not been a lot of effort that would support land transactions. We're talking new tools for farmland analysis on today's Future of Agriculture podcast. Hello, fellow ag nerds. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Future of Agriculture. My name is Tim Hamrich, and every week you and I get to hear from the farmers, founders, innovators, and investors shaping the future of the ag industry. And before we dive into today's episode, Happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2023, and I'm excited to welcome a brand new quarterly presenting sponsor for this first quarter of 2023, which happens to be Acres. And we're kicking off this quarter by exploring more about what they've got going on and what their tool means for the future of farmland and hence for the future of agriculture. Uh, but first, before we dive into that, a word from them. Name a place, a single source where you can find land for sale, comparable sales, and easy to use maps. Can't do it? That's where Acres comes in. This land analysis and mapping platform brings together the data you need to make confident decisions about buying, selling, or investing in a piece of land. That includes manually vetted comparable sales, soil data, crop history, elevation, flood insights, and more. There's no paywall. You can create a free account today at acres.co and access 10 plus layers of data along with land listings, tools for saving and customizing maps, and PDF report generation. If you're in the land business and need more than the basics, check out their premium and enterprise plans for features that support efficient due diligence, portfolio management, and fast valuations. It's all part of Acres' mission to make the land marketplace transparent and easy to access for anyone. Check out a parcel anywhere in the U.S. for free at acres.co. That's acres.co. Thank you so much to Acres for supporting the Future of Agriculture podcast. All right, now back to our featured conversation with data science director, Dr. Aaron Shu. Aaron's unique, in my experience, in that he has an extensive background in agriculture, but also economics, remote sensing, and GIS, and of course, data. In his current capacity, Aaron works with a team of software engineers, data scientists, and land experts to build advanced land analytics tools. He has master's degrees in geography and agricultural economics and a doctorate in environmental dynamics from the University of Arkansas. 
He has more than 15 years of experience in the agriculture industry with 10 years of research experience focused on agricultural production and geospatial technologies. Aaron and I talk about the origins of this acres tool, how it's already been helpful to the acre trader team, which has 123 farms under management and ambitious goals to grow that number over time, why they would want to share this with the rest of the world and how this access to better data and insights will impact the farmland market more broadly. I really enjoyed this chat, and I'll drop you into the conversation here where Aaron is talking about the challenges the company was facing when they initially decided to build Acres. We're certainly not the first mapping software, right? The problem is we were using five or six different mapping softwares and, and Google Maps, Google Earth, you know, that sort of thing, and just kind of piecing together all of the information needed. So not that this is a bad thing overall, but like most of the software that's been built specific to the ag space is, is pretty well focused on farm management and precision ag, which we are not. We're in a very different space. We live at the, the land transaction level. And because of that, you know, there, there are a few tools out there and we've subscribed to them for a while, but we still just were having to go to multiple sources to get that data. And then data quality, you know, at some some points in time is is an issue. And so just having a good place where we know where all the data comes from and we're providing it ourselves was really the impetus for for building this tool. And uh, for people who who haven't been in the position of needing to acquire farmland, you know, at a basic level, what are the questions you want answered in that situation for this due diligence? Sure. So yeah, it's a it's a great great question. Uh, and certainly we've, we've got landowners and farmers that use it. We have a lot of, lot of stuff on there for free at that level. You know, the questions we're asking tend to be year over year, right? So if you think about something like a vegetation index, we don't need 50 centimeter images every week for this season. What we're looking at is, yeah, it might be 10 meter veg index for the peak season this year, peak season last year for the past five years. Because what we want to know is the year over year stability across a field. You know, if you're looking, for example, on our platform and you can switch between the elevation layer and you see, okay, here's this little drainage ditch through our field. It looks like year over year, that veg index is pretty low. Okay, let's flip over to the soils map. All right, looks like maybe the soils in that ditch are also kind of weak relative to the field. And what we're really doing is trying to get at better questions to ask on the ground. So, we are not trying to answer every due diligence question digitally. You can't do it, or at least we don't believe you can do it. Some may, but from our perspective, the ability to ask the right questions and speed up the efficiency of on-the-ground due diligence is really the goal of, of that part of the tool. Yeah, and maybe give us an example of what that might look like. You know, what would you use the tool for, and then what questions would you ask you know, on the ground? Yeah. So, I mean, most of the deals that come to Trader are off market, right? They're not even sure they want to sell. They're considering it. So they'll come to us, say, hey, let's entertain this idea. So the first step our farm team is going to take is they're going to come into Acres and they're going to save the property of interest. They're going to generate a report. You know, we've got a PDF report that's easy to share around, mark up, make notes, customize. You know, you can add your pivots or add notes and things of that nature. But a good example was a farm in Minnesota. Spent some time, you know, basically digging into the property on acres. Everything looked pretty good on paper. And we actually started the, the full, you know, planning the on the ground due diligence and setting up contracts and things to move it forward. 
But we noticed one thing, and this is a layer that we haven't found in any other place besides really Google Earth has a, a similar functionality, but not the same imagery as, as our historical imagery layer. So you can go back 10 years. We found this corner of the property that looks like, you know, some 10 years ago had an improvement or a parking lot or something on it, but then it was gone. And then now they're farming it. And so our team, once they got on the ground, it was a used car lot or basically a junkyard of some sort. And so they had cleaned it up and removed all the, the old vehicles from that corner of the field. But we actually ran soil tests and found lots of junk in the field. And you're talking about environmental remediation and all of a sudden the price of that property you know, is going up. And so we ended up having to pass on that deal because we identified something from 10 years ago that still impacts the productivity of that land. And it's not anything fancy, right? I and mean, we're talking about USDA National Ag Imagery Program images. You know, the entire U.S. is imaged every uh, two to three years by NAEP. Uh, it's a great program. It's free data. And we provide that on our platform. We've kind of stacked it all up so anybody gets access to it in a really easy to use platform. Yeah, it is easy to use. I hopped on there and just kind of messed around before our interview here today. And it, I was kind of surprised at how just intuitive and easy it was. How far back historically can you go? How far back does that data go? You said 10 years on, in this case, but can it go back even further? It can. Yeah. So you can get back uh, early 2000s. Uh, it does get spotty and a little harder to deal with as you get further back. So I think for, for the most part, we're back to 2010. We may add some depth to that as needed. 10 years tends to be pretty good for us and our needs. And I think most people in this space, there is a cost to it, right? I mean, we, we have to pull that imagery and host it and serve it. And so there's a cost to it. And that's a free layer. At some point, we may try to pull the rest of it and go deeper in, in time. But uh, I think for most buying and selling transactions, we've probably got sufficient data for what most people would need. And you mentioned that before building this tool, the AcreTrader team was having to use like five or six different mapping services. Why was that? Was that each for a different question? So like USDA for something like this and was it like four or five other different types of questions? And if so, what are those questions that can now be answered on acres.co? Sure. Yeah. So a lot of it, you know, is wrangling government data into a more useful, accessible, user-friendly way. So something like Sergo, right? So you dive into the NRCS, the National Soils Database, which is a great resource, right? I mean, I can talk about how hard it is to access government data, but it is an amazing resource that we have in the US that nobody else in the world has. So as much as I might dog on how hard it is to get government data, I'm really appreciative of the data that we have access to in this country. So that's first and foremost, we're grabbing, you know, Sergo, again, lots of other platforms have that, but what we're often looking for, we've got soils data, some imagery data, other platforms are kind of spotty when it comes to imagery. I don't know of any that has a like a true historical imagery layer like ours does, and we use that all the time. So before, we would use Google Earth, right? Because it has sort of a time slider and you can piece things together. But it's painful if you're trying to compare soils and then you're looking at historical imagery. And then, you know, hey, I'd really like to see like NASA Landsat or European Sentinel imagery with a vegetation index. You're going to have to go to another platform. And then, of course, we're looking at comparable sales because we're, we're not just doing due diligence on these properties. We're trying to attach or assign values to them, which is, is really important. want to make sure we're, we're getting a fair deal. Farmers getting a fair deal. Investors are getting a good deal on that property, kind of fairness all around. And so comparable sales data is really hard. There's courthouse sales, uh, which you can access on a few platforms. Uh, you can get it on hours. We make it free. It, it is fairly expensive, but 
we feel that courthouse data, it has a lot of flaws and that's just the reality. It's pulling from 3,000 plus courthouses across the U.S. and building out the, the boundaries of every parcel, assigning the names and getting the you know, sale dates and prices. And so multi-parcels, for example, is a real problem. So we were grabbing that from other tools or from private groups, right? So watching broker sites and trying to record these transactions um, in Google Earth or somewhere else. So basically, we just had five or six different tools that we were piecing all of this together in, which... When you think about the efficiency of a deal, so Acre Trader, for example, we're, we've got big goals in terms of how many farms we're, we're doing in a given week. So we're, we're at about two a week now on average. That's not really possible if you're having to use six softwares and generate reports and you know, weird data types put in, in different Google Drive folders, to say the least. And so having one space, uh, not just to access the data layers, but also to save and customize land and take all your notes and keep them private to you was really the the impetus for us to build this out and 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 we've just realized yeah that we built this kind of for our use case but we found that there's there's actually a much broader market for this kind of tool out there there's been a lot of effort like i said on the farm management and precision ag side of of mapping there's not been a lot of effort beyond you know sort of basic parcel mapping or soil maps that would support land transactions you know, thinking about valuations and underwriting and, and that sort of thing, portfolio management within a geospatial tool really doesn't exist out there in a meaningful way. And, you know, who are you finding is taking to the platform? Talk about that market, because on one hand, you kind of think like, well, boy, this is a huge competitive advantage for AcreTrader. Why make this available to everyone else who they might be competing with for due diligence on this property? And uh, maybe talk about that broader market. Sure. You know, it's funny you say that. That's the second time this week I've had that exact question. It's like, this is a lot of really valuable data. What are you doing sharing it? But we, we really believe in uh, transparency in uh, the buying and selling land process. We believe wholeheartedly in increasing the speed of transactions in the buying and selling farmland space. The reason for that is we're not talking about competing for the same pie that currently exists or that it has existed for the past, you know, several decades. We're talking about secession planning for families. We're going to see over half of the land in the US turn over in the next two decades. That's a wild wild number. And so instead of trying to kind of keep this all to ourselves, we certainly make money on the tool and the point is we'd rather build a tool that sort of expands the pie and everybody's getting a little bit more. We just get a piece of each slice as it gets bigger. That's our perspective on it, sort of the, the way I think about it. So as far as who's participating in the tool now, so we've got a couple of different layers to that. So of course, the free version is sort of like all the basic data, all the government data that you could go get for free anywhere else, but maybe in a difficult fashion, we've made that freely available and easy to use in our platform. We also provide the owner layer and the courthouse comparable sales for free. At the premium level, which is 30 bucks a month or 300 bucks a year, you're getting some advanced parcel search. So if you want to go in and look for particular owners or start looking at parcel relevant information across a county or a state, you're going to start to get access to that kind of search criteria, as well as unlimited saved parcels. So like with the basic version, I, th I can't remember the exact number now, but it's you can save a limited number of parcels. You can generate a limited number of reports. 
So once you bump up to that premium level, that becomes unlimited. So I can save 100 properties or whatever, and I'm doing due diligence on all of them. You can do that right there with that premium version. And then a level up from that is our enterprise software, which we're really, really excited about. We're just now kind of kicking that off. Uh, we have brought in a number of initial users, I'll say, in that space. Those tend to be ag funds, banks, loan officers, loan origination offices. A lot of folks in the farm credit world are, are of interest, I would say, in that space. So at the enterprise level, what we're really seeing is that for a while, we were really focused on parcel, parcel, parcel level analysis. So let's go in and dive really deep in the due diligence on this one farm, which is our initial use case. And we've kind of built that, did that well. We've got a number of users that use it in a similar way. But on the enterprise level, what we're realizing is this kind of huge gap uh, in terms of supporting land transactions and managing a land portfolio. So we, we would argue overall here at AcreTrader that, put it this way, we were founded on the idea that more Americans will own farmland in the future, like period. We, we want that to happen. As we move forward, more people are invested in land or own land, and maybe not just a single parcel of land, they want to capture that portfolio view. They want to see what all of their land is doing. They want to have uh, custom dashboard views and be able to surmise how they're performing against other market activities. So think of it like if we wanted to make a really bold statement, I could say that we're building a, a sort of Bloomberg terminal for farmland transactions. That's the idea, is that we have one geospatial platform for land transactions to take place where data is freely available for anybody in that market. We believe in an efficient market. And unfortunately, in the ag industry, farmland is not an efficient market. There's a lot of asymmetric information, and we're trying to bring more transparency to that space because we believe the market overall will be healthier because of it. Makes a lot of sense. You talked about earlier kind of the comparables data. Am I remembering right that a lot of this data actually is housed at the county level? And if so, do you all cover the entire country or is it only certain counties or how do you do that? Yeah, that's a hugely important question. There's you know over 3,000 county courthouses and unfortunately, none of them use the same process to document all of this stuff, which is, is pretty ironic. So yeah, we, we go in, we grab county courthouse data, we find methods and ways to build out every parcel in the US, so pushing 150 million plus parcels. Uh, you have to rebuild that every month, actually. Now, not all of them update every month, of course, but like you've got to rebuild the system because you've got stuff that's selling or you've got owner transitions that are occurring in the background or being updated at the courthouse, mistakes that have been corrected. So we're constantly updating on a monthly time step about now. We're pulling all of that county courthouse data. And that's at the parcel level. Of course, what's attached to a lot of that is the comparable sales information. And in some cases, we get good data, but a lot of it is poor, as I mentioned before. So Yes, we pull that data in. It is the best big data you're going to get in terms of comparable sales. That said, big does not always mean useful, and it is better in some places than others. So some systems are particularly bad, but then you also have states that are non-disclosure states, which means not every sale has to be reported in that state to the county courthouse. That creates sort of a myriad of problems, right? Because that means that whatever is reported probably is biased it's leaving out really critical information. And so you can imagine maybe some of the larger sales don't get reported to the courthouse. 
And so to that end, you know, I, I'm on a data science team and yes, we do some algorithmic work, but we do a lot of data entry and a lot of manual data wrangling because that's what it takes. So I've got a small team that literally digitize boundaries off of hundreds of sites every week and they attach sales information to it and listings information to it, sale dates and, and all of that information. So that's what we really make available at the enterprise level, right? So at our enterprise level, there are really three core pieces to that. One is our internal comps, which is what we would call proprietary. We own them. We've spent a lot of effort. So we put in about two to 300 a week across the country. We've had a lot of focus, of course, on the Midwest, just given the nature of our business. But we focus a lot on these non-disclosure states too, trying to build out more sales in these locations where it's hard to get. Because even though it's not reported at the courthouse, most brokers want to advertise the land they sold, right? I mean, it generates good business for them. So we can often get that data and, and pull it in and we give them credit and often link to their sites, right? So it's, it's even a marketing tool in that sense. So those comparable sales come in. And then of course, the nice thing in our enterprise software right now is like, if you sign up in our enterprise org, you get your own sandbox. So you can come in and, and basically we're, we're in the process of SOC 2 compliance now, SOC 2 type 2, which is sort of the regulatory approval that, hey, yes, you are a secure platform, a bank or a fund can use you and be fairly certain nothing's going to break or make our data vulnerable. So they can actually build out their own private or confidential comps in our platform that only they have access to. And we allow them that functionality as they're vetting their own properties, they're underwriting properties that we as as AcreTrader, again, is a, a separate, we're under their umbrella, but separate entity, they cannot look into that, that sandbox, right? And play around with that data or see that data. So it gives those, those enterprises their ability to develop on the platform and build out their portfolio and look at their valuations with their comps and with our comps in one space. Yeah. And I bet to maintain that there has to be pretty strong firewall then between acres.co and the rest of acre trader correct and vice versa so you know acre traders working on they're in the process of some finra you know regulatory approvals and so that firewall goes both ways in fact right investors need their information to be secured on the acre trader side and from the SaaS or the tech side we have to have our firewalls in place as well for SOC 2. cool and what feature seems to like really turn the light bulb on for new potential users? Like, what is it that they see and like, oh, wow, this is a game changer? So not to beat a, a dead horse here, but the internal comps, those proprietary comps matter a lot. So we've partnered with a number of folks to put more and more of those in, in places where it matters. I mean, obviously the past couple of years, we've seen land values uh, skyrocket and it makes it really hard to value land. How do you provide a good valuation and have good sort of risk hedges, make sure you're not overvaluing or feeding a bubble per se, you know, and make sure. So the more of that internal comp data you have access to, the better confidence you have in the value you're providing to a property. The valuation piece uh, that, you know, on the due diligence side, being able to access those good internal comps, data management. So again, compiling, customizing, adding notes. Uh, we have labeling features where you can sort of filter your entire portfolio of land with different labels that are custom to you as an enterprise user. What would be an example of a label? So maybe like in due diligence, pending, underwriting, rejected, farm management company one, fund one, fund two, 
And just being able to filter your properties under these different buckets or labels and looking at information in summary form across those properties seems to be a, you know, that data management piece and being able to sort of extract a lot of summary information to make better decisions is a key interest among most of our users. Because the reality is a lot of funds and banks, and I love Excel, right? Bread and butter uh, as a data scientist, pre-data science times uh, and pre-programming times, spent a lot of time in Excel, especially as a grad student. So I have a fondness for it that many data scientists do not share. <laughs> but a lot of folks still, it's clunky, but it's great, right? And because of that, it exists in every bank, in every fund. Everybody uses Excel to manage this kind of financial information. What that doesn't mean, though, is that there's not a more efficient way to do it. There's not a better way to do it. But a lot of these folks haven't found that specific to farmland portfolio management. And so they're still housing and analyzing this data in spreadsheets. And while that can be useful, we want to provide a different view of that to improve decision making and workflows. One other thing I want to add to that, we acquired a company earlier this year called Ag Valuation. And it's a really fascinating tool. So we, we grabbed the version 1.0 of that. And what it is, it's a, it's a low risk collateral valuation tool. So for many banks, funds, alternative lending companies, a valuation actually suffices for ag land or rural land as an appraisal. Most folks may not be aware of this, but even if you've bought a house recently, you probably know like getting your house appraised takes forever and it's expensive. Well, multiply that for farmland, right? So you're looking at 30 to 90 days to get a farm appraised. You're likely paying well over $1,000 for it. In some cases, maybe a little less, but I heard a broker the other day talking about a $6,000 appraisal they had done. That's wild to me. It costs $6,000 in 60 days to get an appraisal done. There's just like this linchpin that holds up the entire land transaction process. And so... Ag valuation is a low-risk collateral valuation tool. So it's not an appraisal, but it can be USPAP certified. So the governing entity for appraisal principles, it can be certified for certain kinds of loans. So they built a version one, which is a cool little software, standalone tool in, in the browser, but they were doing a lot of back-end work to actually do the valuations. So right now we have that available and we can serve that need independently through their valuation tool. But what we plan to launch middle of next year, uh, we've designed out a, a really great user interface for this, and we're building out the back end to meet these needs now, is a tool for a landowner, as long as you have some information about the property of interest, just like you would an appraisal, right? You can't just do this digitally without some information about that farm. As long as you have that info, you can walk through this tool in about 30 minutes for a few hundred bucks and get your valuation done. And this is already being used by lots of folks in farm credit system. It's being used by a lot of alternative lending companies and a fair amount of ag banks. So we're just building that out in a more efficient way. And what we fully expect to do, you know, probably the writing on the wall here, if you're thinking about a portfolio of land that a fund has and they've got 100 properties or 50 properties or whatever, um, they don't care so much about getting it reappraised every year. That would be crazy. It's expensive and time consuming. But if you could revalue it with a use path level of confidence and provide that information back to your investors to show how things are performing, you know, maybe note, hey, this area has got some issues or, or no, this is just an anomaly. It's just kind of a weird year and it'll pick back up next year. 
but it'll improve that decision-making process to have valuations directly available within that enterprise tool. So will the idea then be that this ag valuation technology kind of be integrated into acres.co platform eventually? That's right. Yeah. So again, V1's available now. We're using it for lots of folks and we'll continue to, to ramp that up. But yes, in the 2.0 version, uh, it'll still kind of pull you over to a separate window, but effectively right there within the native environment of acres.co, you could be on a property and say, get valuation. It would pull you over to that portal and you know walk you through a series of questions. 20, 30 minutes later, you can hit whether you want to use PAP certified or not, and you'll have that emailed to you or to, you know, you can have it sent to your loan origination officer or something like that, if, if that's the goal. Or again, the nice thing there is like, you can either value it and then ship it elsewhere, have it emailed, or you can just have it sent right back and attached to the, the parcel in acres. So that's another thing I, I didn't really mention earlier is we have a lot of document management tools. So you can attach images for your property, any documents that you want to be sure stay with that property over time. So it's not just living in some Google folders, a lot of institutional knowledge in that document management space. And of course, valuation would be pretty important there. So if you wanted to see year over year valuations or every third year valuation for a given property in your portfolio, you could view that directly in the tool. Mm -hmm. Let's just talk about free users here for a minute. For those people, are they normally logging on to look at one specific property and they're like typing in? an address or coordinates to look at that property? Are they kind of browsing an area? What, you know, typically what leads them to the platform and, and what's their starting point and kind of where are they looking for in those early steps? Yeah. So we'll call it the nosy neighbor. I think that's probably the, yeah, the most common use is like, I'm going to get on here and I'm going to look at who my neighbors are. <laughs> so the owner layer by far gets the most attention. People are looking at their house and then they're skirting around to, to view who's in the area. You know, listings gets a lot of attention. That's a pretty recent thing for us. So we do have a partnership with Land Brokers Co-op that we're really, really pleased with. We've got farmland, ranch land, rec land is our focus. Uh, so we're pulling in, you know, something like 7,000 listings at this point. We have a number of others, uh, broker partners and looking for more. So any anyone that wants to come share their listings, we do get eyes on it. We can provide metrics on how many views they're getting from our platform. Right now, that's uh, kind of a free thing because we're testing it out and seeing what that space looks like. Uh, at some point, of course, you know, get enough attention that maybe some minor fees to, to post on our site. But right now, we're still exploring that space and pretty happy with the number of people that are checking out that layer. It seems pretty huge. Sold land, high at the top there. And when I say sold land, that's the courthouse data that we make available for, for everyone. A lot of folks checking that out. You know, farmer wants to see what the farm down the road sold for or the next county over or whatnot. So looking at those and, and getting a feel for land values in the area. I would say the others kind of compete. I think it depends a lot on the region. So in California, we've actually got a, a water district layer. And so it gives you an idea of which, you know, sustainable groundwater management area you're in and, you know, which water district, um, you know, it gets fairly complex. So you can at least get in there and see. So in California, a lot of folks look at that. That's probably not the most used layer, of course, across the country. But for folks in California, that's a super important piece of information if you're looking at farmland. Sure. Well, I've asked you a lot about how users are, are interacting with the tool and what features they like, but uh, I, I haven't asked you, what's your favorite feature? What do you get most excited about? Ah, that's a, it's a good question. Or you can always talk about something that's coming as well. 
Yeah, probably a longer term play. Uh, I don't even think you'll see it in the next year, but we do have some initial models. Again, I, I think we've got a lot of testing and, and validation work to do, but something I'm really, I've enjoyed working on almost as like a side project outside of office hours is timber maturity. So like, you know, using public satellites, not commercial satellites to estimate the age of timber stands and then trying to parse that out for different permanent crops, parsing that out for evergreen forests and deciduous forests, which are probably you know lower down that scale just due to the longevity of those stands. But to me, that's a pretty interesting layer and provides a lot of value in a space that not a lot of people are in, at least in this sort of land valuation space. There's just not a lot of timber information out there outside of what you get from the landowner. So to that point of like speeding up due diligence and understanding what is or isn't correct on a farm, what kind of questions to answer when you go visit, timber maturity is pretty interesting. Looking at growth curves over time at a sort of pixel level at a 10 square meter level. And, you know, some of our initial models are like plus or minus two years, which I feel is pretty good. Plus or minus two years on some permanent crop stands in California gives you an idea of, you know, how much acreage might rotate in, how much might rotate out in coming years. And then you start thinking about additional applications. Okay, think about that in the context of different water districts. Well, you get some pretty interesting information to make decisions for land purchases on at that point. So again, I don't think you'll see that in the next year, but it's sort of a pet project of mine that I, I think about a bit. As far as layers that are active in the tool, I actually wrote, helped write some of the code and, and uh, push a few things in. I don't get a lot of hands-on code time right now, live more at the strategic level and, and work with my team to figure out what the roadmap looks like more than anything. But I did touch some code that went into some of our soil scores information and pulling G-Sergo data. So nobody else might care, you know, because everybody seems to be able to get soils information. But it was nice to actually touch the code that generated a layer and contribute in that way. Awesome. Well, uh, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking like, this sounds cool, I, I think this stuff's really interesting, but what's this mean for the future of agriculture? You know, if, if you guys are able to kind of pull this off and realize your vision of what you're building here, how's agriculture look different? Hopefully better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly more landowners, more farm owners. I hope to be part of that. You know, my dad taught ag at a high school level for 33 years, big in FFA, grew up working on farms. And kind of always dreamed of, of owning a farm or working on a farm. That didn't happen. It turns out it's really expensive to get in the game. So this is as close as I can get. And I, I love it. And I'm excited to expand that opportunity for a lot of other people. So look forward to a future of ag where people can be landowners, farm owners, and have a direct stake in, in agriculture. Well, thank you very much to Dr. Aaron Shu for being on the show. Really enjoyed that conversation. And thank you to Acres for sponsoring this quarter of the podcast. To learn more about their tool and to start using it for free, just head over to acres.co. I already have upcoming episodes recorded and in the can covering topics ranging from artificial intelligence to food loss and waste to comparing carbon programs to content marketing for ag tech. Some really cool stuff headed your way. I hope you'll subscribe and stick around for that. Thanks so much, though, for your time and your attention today. I don't take it lightly. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation. Ag innovation.